Hey, Now of Work podcast listeners, Jason Averbrook here. Really, really excited about all of the great comments, all of the great feedback. Those of you that are joining our Wednesday jam sessions, those of you that are joining our Friday digital meetups, just love, love, love the momentum and love all the feedback. Really excited today to talk to Randy Womack and Melissa Swisher from Socrates.ai. Socrates.ai is changing the way in front of our eyes that knowledge management is looked at. It's changing the way in front of our eyes that employee experience is looked at. It's changing the way in front of our eyes that service, that knowledge, that questions, that answers, and that conversations are being delivered by not only HR, but the enterprise as a whole. So during this conversation, you'll hear Randy and Melissa talk about that transition from transaction to where we are today, which is conversation. If we're ready for it, when we're ready for it, who's ready for it, and mostly important to me, why we're ready for it right now at a time of such change. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Randy, Melissa, Socrates.ai, great listen. Hope you enjoy it, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. everyone welcome to the daily digital dose so so excited to be joined by some great friends uh randy womack and melissa swisher from socrates hey guys how are you great great to see you jason you too yeah thanks so much for joining so socrates exciting new adventure for you guys i've known you guys for a few waves of your careers in the hr space and the hr technology space um, but I'd love, maybe we'll start with Randy. Randy, if you could just start with a little bit of a background about yourself, um, you know, kind of where your career has taken you and how you've landed up here in the world of Socrates and conversational bots and that whole space. I would love, I'd love that journey if I could. Sure. Happy to. So I'm a technologist by background, um, clearly long and tooth and been in the industry a long time. First half of my career was um, software development, product management, and IT and data centers. So I did a really good tour of duty in technology. And then a number of years back, joined a little bitty company with about 30 people called Success Factors and got my first introduction into HR. Um, had a really great experience learning about the science of people and talent management and comp and in that side of the HR world through success factors and then moved into kind of the benefits and the health area, which was super, super interesting for me because it was expanding the, the science of people and how do you manage and optimize for workforce to all the things that really happen in, their, in the real world, in their lives, and how do you put a program to cover kind of from the beginning of the journey with a company till the time that you depart in all dimensions. And so along that journey, I really got focused on the employee experience. And what's it really like? You know, when you're with a software vendor, the world is all about you and your platform. But when you really pull back and you start looking at what's it take for all of the software and services for someone at work and what that experience is really like is just a, a huge gap. And we often relate to it as the difference in our consumer lives and our work lives and that gap. And so that's what um, led us to Socrates and really focus on the employee experience. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. We're going to get more into Socrates in a minute, but uh, turn it over to Melissa. Uh, Melissa, would love to yep. intro of yourself and uh, Similar journey, different journey, similar passion, yeah. different passion. 
how did yeah. you get here? Yes. Yeah, so all of the above. So, um, so by way of background, I've spent my entire career in HR and benefit technology, sales, partnerships, and on that side of the business. Um, and you know, early on, started at ADP it was a great place to cut my teeth, and then had a had the fortune of joining Success Factors pretty early on as well, um, and really was a, a great experience as to we started to think about employee engagement and the overall experience, and so. Uh, then had uh, also moved over to Castlight Health and really was all about healthcare and helping people with information that would make better decisions for them and their family around quality of care and how could people have more access to information related to care. So all of that really led to the journey of, of Socrates, which really was always a passion about really ensuring how do we how do we make a world where employees can have the most optimal experience. Um, at work because so many people spend so much time there and how do we bridge the gap based on everything we love about our consumer lives and take that into the workforce so that's awesome thank you so sure. you guys both almost said the same thing just with a different lens from a background standpoint which I that's love scary yeah. it is scary but I love uh, but it also allows me to pick on it because it, it's such a fascinating thing to me and I'm gonna start with Randy because uh, rarely do I get a chance to talk to a, a technologist at, by heart or by at trait, the way he explained himself there. So when you say employee experience, like what does that mean to you? And I, I purposefully asked the technologist first because I think this is going to be fascinating. Well, think about the digital complexity inside of an enterprise, right? Like I said, when you work for SuccessFactor, the world's all about SuccessFactors or Oracle or any of the places I've been. But when you really pull back and look at the digital complexity that we have at work and what we ask an employee to face, and it's not just the employee, it's truthfully, it's the workforce, right? It's, it's the whole um, environment and spouses and partners too. And so if you take a simple enterprise, they'll probably have seven or eight messaging platforms um, that different people use. And then you've got um, it, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 plus HR applications. And, and if you took benefits and, and those services and applications, that's another 20 to 30. If you came back and said, okay, how many HR documents and benefit documents, forget all the IT docs, right? Just think about HR and benefits. You're probably looking somewhere between 200 and 300 policy docs. And then you get into knowledge articles. And knowledge articles jump into the 1,000 to 3,000 range of information. And for the longest time, we've told the workforce and people, hey, all the information's out there. You just got to go find it. And so what was so frustrating for us is why can't we talk to the company just like we do our friends and family? And why can't we get an answer that we trust? You know, it's like me calling you up and saying, Jason, how was your weekend? You're like, Oh, I wrote it in a knowledge article. I put it out there. The attorneys went through it and put legal on it. And, um, you know, if you go out there and search, you'll find it. But, oops, I forgot to put a date on it. So, you know, good luck finding it with the other 52 articles I wrote about every other weekend. And, and so as a technologist, it's when you really get into those moments that matter. And this stuff's important, right? It's about my life. It's about my ability to be successful at work. You know, it was just incredibly frustrating. So for me, it was an extension of single sign-on. You know, we had the same problem with single sign-on. You know, I've got all these usernames and passwords and all these apps that I don't use very often. So it was like, why can't we extend single sign-on to give one place for people to have an experience, at least to know to get to the right place or get a single answer or those things. 
So you used the word trust. I'm going to expand on that with Melissa. So, you know, people want a place to trust information. Um, so would that say that, you know, success factors, Oracle, Workday, all of these other tools, employees shouldn't trust the data that comes out of them? Is it that the employees don't know how to get the data out of them? Like when we think about trust, you know, trust in transactions, I guess, is an interesting way to put it. Like, what's missing there? So why do I need something else other than what I've already gone out and invested in with these other tools? Yeah, so I can start and then Randy, feel free to, to pile on as the proverbial technologist on the call. Um, so I think that you know, from my perspective, those are great systems, right? The system of record and, and the, the applications that make up the ecosystem that people have access to really serve a purpose, right? And the purpose it serves is two parts, right? So from an organizational perspective, right, to capture the data that's needed, right, and ways to make their jobs more efficient. When you think about trust with an employee, absolutely is there the notion that the company has their best interest by putting out those tools to make things easier for them. But the challenge is just like every day, if you think about yourself as an employee, you might not, you'll have very infrequent events, but oftentimes those are the things that matter most to you as an individual, right? So if you think about as somebody's going through the first time of having a baby or they're going through a life event with a, you know, front and center with coronavirus and they have kids at home, how do they manage through that? And they want to feel that really the extension of the conversations that they have when you're in an office sitting face to face with somebody is truly the experience that you could capture from all these different types of tools that you have to intersect with um, day to day. And so to, to, I think the point earlier, what Randy was talking about was, you know, the way that you would respond is very different if you and I were sitting next to each other versus quoting back policy. And so having that conversational ability is really, really critical for that overall cultural fabric and then how that continues to, you know, broaden that sense of trust between that employee and employer and giving the employer a voice to create that level of trust with that type of environment they're creating. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to leverage that, take that question and give it to Randy as well with just adding one nuance to it. So should, you know, when you built these tools at SuccessFactors, would you say that they weren't employee experience tools? They weren't really designed for employee experience? Because I mean, for me, and I'm just being blunt here, just me in the industry, you know, I think they were designed for the HR audience, not for employees and managers. You know, there's the white elephant, I just said it. Um, You know, but, you know, and that's not saying they're not great tools, because they're tools that really help HR shepherd and push out capabilities to the organization that the organization needs. But I don't think that they were ever designed to be truly employee experience tools the way that they were designed in the past. Randy, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think it's spot on. I mean, you know, we used to do all hands and I traveled all over the world working with companies on talent management programs and and, you know, I'd often start with how many of you find the performance review process valuable, right? And maybe three people would raise their hands and it would crack me up because what part of valuable is to spend all that time doing a review to get a one and a half to 2% raise, which was canned anyway. Um, and, and the things that were in it just weren't qualitative. And so building on that answer and around your trust question, there's, there's two things in my mind that are missing from 
from most of those experiences. So don't get me wrong, system records are critical and we couldn't have digital conversations or, or be having the conversations that we're having today if those systems of records and departmental software weren't in place. It's just kind of the next step to focus on employee experience. But if you think about employee experience, there's, there's really three things that people want and it's all around trust. The first is, you know, can you make it simple and save me time? And in a large enterprise environment, you can't do things like Melissa mentioned, have a baby. You can't have a baby in one app, right? It just can't be done. And as we dig in and start seeing about cross applications, and, and so it's important to leverage all those applications. A lot of the vendors are going to say, hey, you know, you should be us, lift and shift, move everything over. But the truth is you can't. And, and we've made huge investments that we need to leverage in their workflows. The second is the quality of the answer. Right. When I get a when I get a poor quality answer, I don't trust it. Right. And I don't feel like I can rely on it. A lot of times I don't understand it. But but trust has a lot to do with the quality. Now that's one thing system records crush, right? How many vacation days do I have left? You can bank on what they give you, but so much of the information is unstructured and documents and you can't bank on that. And it's in knowledge articles and you can't bank on that to the point now we kind of vote on them. The, the third part of this is super important, and, and you're seeing, I think, a lot of this in the news right now, and it ties to a lot of the lawsuits that are going on that are coming out of, of COVID, which is employees don't feel heard, right? And that's huge because we tell them, hey, all the information's out there. You just got to go find it. When they find it, it's crummy or they don't understand it because it's a legalese, and their only other option is then to file a ticket. And when I file a ticket, I know the person on the other end doesn't always understand my issue and I kind of get back a script based on the legalese that I had before. And so one of the biggest shifts in employee experience is not only saving people time, making it super efficient and fast for them and whatever method we need to use to do that. But the second part of it is making them feel heard and valued. And, and a lot of these lawsuits that are popping up would be very different if we weren't shipping out 60 page policy docs and an answer to COVID, right? So, Randy, the, that's fascinating, and the thing that's really fascinating to me about it is one of the things that we talk about, and you're saying, is that we want the employees to be heard, and we want the employees to listen, and we want the or to be heard, we want the employees to trust, yet we're talking about throwing a piece of technology at them, <laughs> um, which sounds pretty sterile and sounds pretty much like it's not listening to me, and yeah, they're not, you know, talk to the bot type thing, not talk to the human. So, you know, we all have to get used to that changing and thinking about this concept, you know, that I call high touch digital and high touch human, but would love your thoughts on where we are on that journey and why with what you're doing with Socrates, it really is, you know, building trust, even though it's not necessarily, I mean, what's the human side of it and what's the technical side of it? Yeah, so so it's a journey. It's not as simple as, you know, here's the here's the magic solution and we're all happy. But it, in my mind, it starts with so often we think of digital communication technology, which often is called chatbots or represented as chatbots, is trying to perform like a human. And we have a completely different viewpoint on that. Take Tesla. Tesla didn't make their self-driving car look like a chauffeur and pretend to be your chauffeur. It was, it's a fantastic piece of technology that takes the work out of driving and makes it easier. 
Um, but, but it's not attempting to be a person. And, and so Socrates is not about trying to pretend to be a person. There's a lot of AI development in that department, robots, and that's great, but that's not who we are. We're much more about information and quality of information and saving people time in the experience and using AI and technology to make you more productive and more successful and deepen your relationship um, with the company, which is something that we can talk about. So for instance, you know, a simple answer is if I ask a question and I get a straightforward answer, that's great. Thank you so much. And I'm back to work. But if I ask an HR question and the answer comes back, well, Jason Averbrook advises that da, 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 that has another sense of meaning to me. And, and so when you think about something like Socrates, it's embedding knowledge and information into a system that people can rely on trust on. And there's lots of different ways. If you think of us as humans, how do, what are the different ways that we do that? You can do a lot of that in digital conversation, which is where the big shift is coming. Once you go down that journey, we may get to it today, we'll talk more about it. There's so much more you can do with digital conversations about making that interaction meaningful. But today we're just to the point of, hey, can you give me a straightforward, simple answer to all my policy docs and you know, give me 80% avoidance to my tier zero where everything is can I or how do I, which is what yep. fills up those call centers. So, so that's more of what we're about than the traditional kind of chat by. So digital conversation, Melissa, um, you know, a digital conversation. How do you think, you know, you're someone that works with CHROs all the time. You're someone that works with heads of HR operations all the time. Where are they in a comfort level with digital conversations? So, you know, I think it's something where it's become more from just a digital conversation. And, and Jason, we've talked about this before, just becoming just like a workforce experience from digital workforce experience in that conversation. And I think what they're realizing is more than ever, they've got to have a way to bridge the gap and have things come together because yep. so much of this has been disjointed, right? And it's that you are providing these tools and solutions that um, are great and fantastic to what we talked about. But what it's lacking is the ability to pull it all together in a way that goes to where employees already are at and really starts to drive the notion of how do we make that experience better? How do we focus on what's the most important thing for now for our workforces? And how do we make that strategic, not only across the things that impact us from an HR point of view, but how do we put ourselves in a position to be holistic as we think about the entire enterprise and ecosystem to continue to expand and capitalize on this notion of that digital conversation should not only be present for all of the HR and benefit technologies and tools out there, but it has to be with the entire company as a whole. And so really strategic thought partners and CHROs that we've been talking with, we've been super fortunate across the board recognize that this is an opportunity to do that and change from an entire organizational perspective that ability to do so. Okay. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, one of the, and I think it is a journey. I mean, Randy used the word journey. I think it's a journey from a knowledge standpoint, you know, getting people up to speed, getting people comfortable and trusting that the fact that tools can do this. But the other thing, Randy, that I want to, to pull into the conversation is, you know, we just did a survey last week along with HR Executive, and, you know, we said, what are the three things, what are the three areas of digital that have been strained or stressed uh, during coronavirus and during the first, the last three months? And there were three things that I found fascinating. The first was 
it's not going to surprise you, video conferencing or video, which, right. you know, that's how we're living our lives. The second is chat or collaboration. Like, how do I chat with people if I'm not sitting next to them at the desk? But the third one that I found so fascinating was portal. Portal and intranet. So if we looked at the three areas that companies were going to invest in in 2020, it was video, it was chats and collaboration, and it was portal and intranet. So, which intrigued me yet scared me. Uh, and, and the reason that it scared me is because I have this fear that people are saying, you know, people couldn't find what they were looking for on the portal or intranet. So we have to spend money on making our portal and intranet look better. Or people couldn't find what they were looking for on the portal or intranet. So we have to do a better job of making the search on the portal or intranet work. And I, that doesn't match your belief in what organizations need to do to help organizations actually get more value. And, and you know, most of them have a knowledge nightmare on their hands. So you know, that being said, you know, when people now have realized how important this is, it was like a slap in the face, they woke up to it. And now they say they're going to invest in portals and intranets. Like, I don't think that's the right answer. I, I, I think there's something else. And, you know, I'm throwing you a softball slash leading question here. But in all of the work that you've done in this space, I'd love your thoughts on it. Because like I said, this just came out Friday. And I all weekend was like, what does this mean? Portal, intranet, what are people going to do? And it scares me. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess it depends on how you hear the word portal and what it means to you. And, and what portal is representative to me is a, a how versus a what. So how... And Brandon, sorry to interrupt. I mean, to me, mm -hmm. there's a link farm. Yes. You know, with just a bunch of links to places. Or, you know, I'm playing shoots and ladders and I, you know, oh, go down here. <laughs> Whoa, back to the bottom. Like I get, sorry, like I get lost. Uh, you know, or I go and search and I say, I'm having a baby. You know, and what comes up is nothing. And I, then if I go in and search and I say, I'm having a dependent, what comes up? Oh, exactly what I was looking for even though it's not the language I would ever use in real life. That's the malcontent of portal, in my personal opinion, that people think about. I think that's exactly right. I loved your description, by the way. It was fabulous. Great job. Um, I think so, but what I hear is the what. Portal is representative of if I really need information and I really have questions. I think the, I think the thing that's become crazy aware to all of us is that you know policies like work from home lasted 10 years and the velocity of change of information even the COVID information is changing at a rate that's that's you know almost unthinkable it's changing daily especially when you start looking at the health plan information that's coming out and so so for me the portal is we realized how important it is for us to get information to our employees and be able to do it quickly and to be able to give them straightforward answers that they understand. So now they're not yet stuck again, trying to file a case or going to a call center. So what's important for me in that is that what we're finding, because we automatically process all those documents and websites and all those information to get to a single answer, that's what our AI does, is that we have to build a tool set that, that comes to you and says, Jason, okay, show us your docs, and this is what we do, obviously is give us your docs, we automatically process them, we inject intelligence in them, and we get it to where you ask a question, you get a single answer. And so we eliminate all your bad logos, all your bad dates, 
all those excess documents from the acquisitions that you've never cleaned up, all the answers that are correct, but the dates on the documents are wrong or the ranges. Because the truth is, we've never had any governance. You know, what we've done as, as HR leaders is we've done our very best to keep up with that information. And, but we've never had a governance process. That, and, but, but the problem with that is the technology's never supported us. We've never had a way to say, what is every piece of content that we have out there? Where's the gaps? Obviously, we do this for you. How do you, what answers am I really telling people? And can I understand exactly what everybody's asking, what answers we gave them? And what are they asking that we need to create content for and turn it around in, in time? And, and so for me, that's why this whole concept and notion of articles and documents is a technology similar to portals that the technology has moved past. And we as people are just starting to think about it in the concept of knowledge. You know, if I had a question, I'd have no problem texting you, Jason, what do I do for blah, 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 blah. And whatever answer you gave me, I knew I would understand and I would trust it because it's you and our company's no different. Most of us trust our company. I think if you go look at company, if people trust their companies, the data's off the chart that they do. The problem is they can't get an answer. So for HR leaders, the, one of the first steps is to understand this big difference in technology, even though there's incredibly how you have to work with those technologies to get what you need is, is very, very vast and different amongst the vendors today. So Melissa, like when you're working with organizations and they're talking about doing portal refresh, sorry, it's one of my favorite, unfavorite terms. We're doing a portal refresh, you know, um, you know, and then you're talking about digital conversations at the same time. You know, how do the two of those come together? I mean, it will, will people, I mean, Randy's example, he texts me and gets an answer. Um, you know, it depends on the time of day, probably. And if my brain's working, whether he trusts the answer or not. Um, you know, the question is, will, I, will, will people just bypass portals in the future and go right to digital conversations? You know, or will they still start at the portal, search, get lost, hope that the search works, uh, you know, Randy once said, people don't want to search, they want answers. Uh, and ever since I heard that, you know, I've been using it and I, I think it's brilliant. But so the question is, is since most portals, you start with a search and you hunt and pack, you know, will we, as we think about this concept of digital conversations, does that replace the portal eventually or does it augment? You know, I think it's, I, I don't think it replaces the portal completely is probably my answer or it could, right? It really depends on how things start to evolve in terms of the market and content and how we start to disseminate information to employees, right? From a policy point of view and the legalese point of view, having that insulation for those documents to have a place where they live is important, but it's the interface that they have with the employee on the front end of that portal that changes the landscape of that portal, right? So think of it as to use your term, the portal refresh is, you know, the way the Socrates works, right? Sits on top of that or sits on top of any technology, whether that's text or collaboration tools or even the portals, but it essentially gives that facelift because what's gonna happen is that conversation's going to become an answer versus thousands of search results. And the secondary part of it, which is just as equally as important is, is that at the end of the day, one of the things I think we really try to do, and or I do a lot, is to try to put myself in the shoes of somebody working with those tools. And I really care about, at the end of the day, what's important to me, right? What's important to me as Melissa, you know, a mom of two, 
And how is the information I'm getting back relevant to who I am, right, as an individual versus blanketed, right? So I think there's a big shift of how this changes that ability to make that the conversational experience, with, regardless of where the information lives. So, Melissa, you guys do a brilliant job. Randy, did you want to jump in there real quick? No, I, I think the, the concept of personalization and cross-application functionality is super, yeah. super important. I think she did a great job articulating it. Yeah, so, Melissa, you know, once, I mean, you guys do a great job of taking knowledge and turning it into conversations. Like, I think you've got that down, like, game over type thing. But, what, you know, you and I, when, like, if you were going to text me and ask me a question, like, I, I would actually want a little more personal, I guess, than that. Like, you know, you and I have, you know, you and I, you know, I hear birds chirping in the background. So I'd say, hey, how are the birds today, Melissa? Or, you know, I give you, you would, grief you'd about- You would, you'd say, how are the birds? I, I give you grief about shoes all the time, you know? And I'd be like, hey, how are your shoes? So when, when you think about that and you think about digital conversations, I mean, is the future of a digital conversation still, will it ever make me feel as warm? That's not the right word. I hope you know what I mean. Will it ever make me feel as warm as what I would if I was talking to a human? Should I give up on that? Uh, or how do, I, how do I help people understand that the value of a digital conversation is greater A and B is going to still fulfill that need of driving trust. Yeah, and I think they kind of go hand in hand. And so happy to have Randy pile on to this. But this to me is really important. So, right, so apparently it warms your heart when you talk about birds with me, just as it would uh, an individual as you start to think about, you know, what's the culture fabric? I go back to that because that's what it can portray. Right. So what is it that experience you want to put forth to your employees? We have so many companies who do so many fun things with um, their persona. Right. Which really echoes the, the personality of the company to create that environment of trust, to feel that warmth come through and shine through in terms of the way they interface. They use things like memes and video content and and push that content to really start to be there in sense of the employee of the way they act. You know, we have a company, uh, Hub International, for instance, who were really big on 80s pop songs, right? And they named Socrates Mr. Habato. And everything they do around that is um, all around digital media content in a way that's reflective of the corporate culture that they want to have in terms of how do we continue to not only bring the company together that extends that culture, but then also warms people's hearts as part of that process. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, Randy, I'd love your thoughts on this because, you know, as the technologist, um, you know, how, you know, there's still this discussion, uh, you know, do our robots taking over the world? No. Are we still going to need people? Yes. Um, you know, the concept of design is huge in thinking about what Melissa just said in making sure that someone feels tr that they'll trust, quote unquote, you know, these tools. So, you know, do you, do you think, do you think we're ready? I mean, do you think we're there? Do you think we're ready for, <laughs> you're laughing at me. Do you think we're ready for these, for people that start, you know, that say, Hey, do I have Juneteenth off? You know, are, are, are we ready for a digital conversation to respond to that? 
You know, again, I think it's important to clarify that it's not meaningful when a technology is pretending to be a person. So, so let me give you a couple examples of a way a digital conversation can have real impact. You know, if you're, if you're, daughter came home from high school after you had a really rough day and she said, dad, I'm pregnant. The words that come out of your mouth, and that's something that we often see with managers, right? Hey, I wanted to let you know I'm pregnant. And male managers don't handle it gracefully. One of the things that digital conversations does, very similar to email, it's the same experience, is I really have a time to think about what's the response that I want to give this person so they hear me and they feel good about our interaction. And I can either make them smile, I can touch their heart, um, you know, I can get them super excited, all in responses. So I'll give you another example. Take one of the issues that are going on in the news right now. And if somebody took the wrong side of that position by honestly asking that question, and there, what popped back up was a quote from your CEO that said, if you really feel that way, we'll be at your desk in 10 minutes. Thank you for your service, and I'll personally escort you out the door. That's so much more powerful than, hey, we have a diversity program and here's the lilies around our diversity or you know here's a diversity training class right that your ability to interact and, and be thoughtful and and to change the experience right now the journey is very much you know can you really ask a question and get a single answer and we know what we're telling employees that matches our policy docs then the next thing you'll watch is we create you know it's a neighborhood of sometimes three to thirty thousand for one client where we're actually giving straightforward answers. Yes, no, have fun. And then you take people like Jeff and Mr. Habato, I think you're gonna do a session with him where they're actually doing really fun stuff because their goal is to make you laugh and it becomes more of a media presentation, but most people aren't there and, and their heads kind of get overwhelmed when they start thinking about, you know, how do I get my arms around my documentation to how do I actually create the next Lego store? through a digital conversation where people love the experience and it's great. Jason, the one thing I will share with you that, that I think will be fascinating to watch as an industry as we see this is that it's what, what I think is human nature is that we start with questions and when we get our answers, it leads to more questions. And those questions create trust, which then lets me have more questions. And so I think when you kind of follow the question matrix, it's as people build more questions, they're going to ask more questions. Those questions are going to start covering more topics from political to socioeconomic to health to all the things that are out there that we really inside of companies have very strong opinions about. Like take a simple example, tattoos, right? There's no documentation in most companies on tattoos and it gets left to the manager to decide. But we're so cross matrix today that one man manager may say, you need to cover your tattoos up. And the other one says, no, they're great, wear them proud. But it would be really nice to be able to say to the company, hey, I have sleeves on my, you know, I have tattoo sleeves. You know, can you tell me if the company endorses this and do I need to cover it up? And I promise the management team has a strong opinion, but the average person and employee can't get there to ask that question. So I think we're absolutely ready. I think it's just a shift of, hey, published it in a document that we sent to the attorneys to talking to people like we would as if they called us on the phone. So, Melissa, for someone who's listening to this and hears you guys and says, wow, these guys are brilliant, um, but I've never heard of this thing, Socrates. You know, first, I'm going to ask you how to get a hold of you, first of all, or excuse me, part of this. But how would you describe Socrates? Who's, who's the person that should look at Socrates today and say, I need to talk to Melissa and Randy ASAP? Yeah. 
So we've really been, you know, I think if in terms of who we've been talking to, it's really broad, right, in terms of the spectrum. Um, I think we've, you know, from a CHRO uh, to anybody in uh, VP of HR Shared Services to IT uh, to CIOs, um, you know, to chief innovation officers, all of those really have fit the mold of all people who we've talked to across the board. Um, and more and more as they think about holistically, how does this fit into the enterprise as a whole? I think more and more we're seeing that expand that footprint as to the people we're talking to. Who should be, who should be looking, should, should everyone be going out and looking at digital conversations today? Um, where should they be on their HR tech journey? Um, you know, hey, I've got a broken down people swap system. I haven't been able to get to the cloud. Should I look at digital conversations? Hey, I just went to service now. Should yeah. I look at digital conversations? What's the, yeah. what's the, what's the matrix look like as to when I'm ready for this? So I'll let Randy say uh, what he has to say, but you know, my opinion is it's, it's all of the above, right? Because the company that might have a, a technology that could be around since 1982, might just work fine and great for the HR professional, right? The thing that you got to remember is if you create a single user experience, right, going to technology that people already use and creating a, an interface and experience that's congruent across the board, regardless of the technology, it brings all those other pieces together, those underpinning technology pieces together. The other place where we see this is, you know, businesses who acquire companies, right? They're great. They have to, uh, the, the force ahead of having to, you know, how do we bring all these people together? How do we merge those cultures together? They have so many different systems that they've got to take into account, but all of that transition period, um, that's another great example of where Socrates really bridges the gap, you know, and to go back to um, one of my, uh, you know, earlier statements about the facelift, it gives that facelift to all of those different systems and technologies across the board, regardless of the current state of where they're in. And because of the fact that we do so much around content cleanup as part of our solution, we really accelerate the process for them to be ready to do this in a way that they wouldn't be able to do so on their own. Randy, anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah I, I sure. No, I think this, I think the simplest measure is look at your, look at your shared service centers or your call centers. Look at your tier zero explosion and go look at your top, you know, 50 or 100 cases. And they're almost all can I or how do I? And, and we know that, that people are only doing that because it hurts more not to do it than to do it, right? We're nowhere near people feeling comfortable with asking questions. And so, you know, the, the, the ITSM systems are great and we need cases and, you know, but we need those people in those call centers working on real problems. We should use the technology we have today to get all that silliness out of those call centers and change that experience and develop that relationship directly with the employee in the moment that matters. Even when it's a simple question, it's important. So Randy, one of the things that I do to wrap these podcasts up is to talk about this thing that I call OMT, which is one more thing. And you know, the one more thing is what's the one more thing that gets you up in the morning every morning to chase what you just said? that to chase that passion around, you know, helping people find answers or helping people find trust. Like what's the, what's the thing that gets you up in the morning? It, it's that people are what makes a company great. And their, their experience with the company is like, I feel like a number, I feel like I'm just my call center case. I don't feel valued. 
you know, I don't feel like I have a relationship. It's that same saying that people leave managers, they don't leave companies. And, and the technology can solve this. And, and when we start thinking a little bit differently and we approach the problem, then we can make work such a more valuable experience because it's probably the single most important thing in our lives behind friends and family because it affects all of our lives. So making that experience awesome and bringing humanity back to work is what, so that's what makes me get up in the morning. Oh, that's great. Melissa? So for me, you know, I've been uh, fortunate to be a part of some really fantastic companies a part of, uh, as part of my career, which I feel really fortunate for. But the thing that I love about what we do is that this is something that impacts every employee at every company and something that where we can really change the way that people interact with people, like the company and their experiences in a way that it makes it so from a, a, a end user point of view of simplistic to something that's so cool and innovative in a way that they can communicate with companies that they haven't had before. I get up excited about it every single day, especially when I see people light up, you know, as we're talking about it, just similar to how you do Jason, every time we talk, you light up. Um, so, but, uh, and so how do we make sure that we're having that across the board? And that's really what gets me excited to do this day in, day out. No, I love that. Those are great answers. Um, thank you so much. So, Melissa, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, people that want to talk to you about Socrates, want to see what it does, uh, how to clean up their content, how to turn it into these digital conversations like now. Um, sure. What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, uh, you can reach us through email, through, um, you know, and I'm uh, mswisher at socrates.ai and also just uh, feel free to reach out to either of us and we're happy to to help. Are you LinkedIn people? You're on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and all those things? Yes, I am. Link okay. We're both LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, hey guys, I want to thank you so much for joining. This is a classic conversation and I think that it's so funny whenever I record these, I always think about the time capsule and looking back in two years and saying, that's going to sound so stupid uh, that we had a conversation about digital conversations and whether people were ready for them. Uh, I truly think that's what's going to, in a couple of years, we're going to look back and be like, Hey, that was one of those um, vinyl records that we recorded, you know, back in June of 2020 at the time that there was this weird virus out um, you know, saying, gosh, people were not ready for these concepts of digital conversations. So as I prepared for this, I was like, wow, this might be the, you know, it's gonna be one that we're going to keep and look back at over time. And, uh, you guys would be, you guys are pioneers in this space, but also one of the things I love is that you're proving it every day with clients. So thank you guys so much for joining, um, Socrates.ai for those that want to find information and, um, we'll look forward to watching you guys continue to, uh, transform the space. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.